You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you on today's show. Oklahoma and Texas take the first official step towards joining the SEC, officially announcing they are leaving the Big 12. Now the SEC presidents have a meeting scheduled for this week to perhaps take the next step in that process. We'll discuss. Also, our conversation with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey from SEC Media Days. We touch on everything from the NIL to sports betting and much, much more. You don't want to miss that. And we'll go around the conference as Arch Manning visits Ole Miss. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of the show as soon as it comes out each and every day. We're here for you five days a week. Let's jump into it. A lot to get into. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch. Around the conference. Well, on Monday, Texas and Oklahoma took the first official step towards joining the SEC. They informed the Big 12. They plan to leave when the current media rights deal is up. Now, as we wait for the schools to take the second step, receiving an official invitation from the SEC, things are reportedly happening behind the scenes. According to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, the SEC presidents have scheduled a meeting for Thursday of this week. Could that meeting be to vote on allowing the Longhorns and Sooners to join the conference? If a formal application comes over the next couple days, it could certainly happen. Things are happening very quickly here. According to Saturday Down South's Matt Hayes, at least one of his SEC sources has indicated that the expectation is for both programs to play in the league starting in 2022. That's next year. Texas and Oklahoma are currently locked into the Big 12 through 2025, but as multiple reports say now, the expectation for some within the SEC is that both Texas and Oklahoma would pay whatever the penalty is to get out of their current deal with the Big 12 and join the SEC in 2022. USA Today reports if the SEC does indeed add Texas and Oklahoma, a path can be drawn to the conference quickly generating as much annual revenue as the NCAA does. That number could be $1.3 billion by the 2024 season. That is unbelievable money when you talk about the SEC being the most powerful conference in all college athletics just a couple years could be making as much money as the NCAA does annually. Unbelievable. Brent Zwarneman of the Houston Chronicle, he updated his story yesterday. Remember, he was the one to break the news originally. He said Texas A&M was definitely blindsided by the news of Texas and Oklahoma being interested in the SEC. And he said the Aggies learned a valuable lesson. Never trust the SEC or anyone else ever again. Just a fascinating story. We'll continue to update you, but man, it seems like this thing is happening and happening very quickly. We'll keep you updated throughout the weeks to come. And actual football news, Arch Manning, will he follow his dad, Cooper, his uncle Eli, and his grandfather, Archie, to Oxford? That is the question. As the recruiting window opened up this week, Manning and his family have made the decision to make the trip from Louisiana up to Oxford. Somewhat of a good sign for Lane Kiffin of the Rebels as Manning is on campus this week. The news comes after Arch visited the likes of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, USC. 
Six foot four, 208 pounds. He is a five-star prospect, the number one quarterback in the 2022 class and the number two overall prospect in the country. Got to think Arch is going to want to build his own legacy, but if he wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps, Uncle Eli's footsteps, and his grandfather's footsteps, he'd be right at home in Oxford wearing the Manning name on the back of his jersey. Some big news out of Missouri yesterday. According to a release from the school, athletic director Jim Sterk stepping down from his position, which he held for the past five years. According to stltoday.com, Mizzou Athletics Department staffers were shocked by Sterk's news. He informed them via email a little bit after 5 p.m. that he and the school president mutually agreed that he would step down. He had two years left on his contract. Uh, he will officially step down once a new AD is named. Who that will be remains to be seen, but according to the school president, a national search will begin immediately. Got to be a story there. We'll see what the details are behind Mizzou Athletic Director Jim Sterk stepping down. Some other football news earlier this offseason, Auburn defensive lineman Jay Hardy entered the transfer portal. Now it seems like he's found his new school to go play at. He's going to team up with a former SEC head coach in Hugh Freeze. Hardy announced via Instagram on Monday night he will be heading to Liberty to play football there. He appeared in one game as a true freshman for Auburn last year, the Citrus Bowl loss to Northwestern. Coming out of high school in Chattanooga, he was a four-star prospect, the number 101 player in the nation. Texas A&M Aggies, they made an addition to their defensive line on Monday, picking up a commitment from in-state prospect, three-star D lineman Jaden Scarlett. He was also considering Missouri and Oklahoma. Announced his commitment to the Aggies. Six foot three, 265 pounds. Took to Twitter to make his announcement. He is the number 56 defensive lineman in the class of 2022. The Aggies now have 12 players in their 2022 class. Currently ranks 14th in the nation, number four in the SEC. And we're just days away from the NBA draft coming up on Thursday night. A number of SEC stars will hear their names called, but according to latest CBS Sports mock draft, they list seven SEC standouts going in the first round, starting with Moses Moody. They got him going number eight overall to the Orlando Magic. And you go all the way down to pick number 18. They have Jaden Springer from Tennessee. Number 20, Cam Thomas from LSU. Number 21 overall, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. Number 23, Josh Primo from Alabama. Number 24, Keon Johnson from Tennessee. And sneaking into the back end of the first round pick, 30, Trey Mann from Florida. So a lot of SEC talent in this year's NBA draft. We'll see if they get seven first rounders coming up in just a couple nights. And there you have it. That is around the conference. When we return, our conversation with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Now, when we taped this last week at SEC Media Days, he was not commenting on the Oklahoma-Texas rumor that had come out, but we did hit on some very other big topical uh, things such as the NIL, whether he likes it or not, sports betting, where that's coming, and how the SEC will adapt to it, and much, much more. That's all coming next. Bet online still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season starting to wind down. We just passed the 100-game mark for many teams. And get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs over at Bet Online. And a quick reminder, of course, they've got win totals, over-unders. You can bet on for the college football season. Those have been posted in even some of the early games throughout the season. Week one games. A lot of lines have already been set. 
you can get in on the action over at Bet Online. And a reminder when you head to their website, use your mobile device. You could sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKED ON. That's L O C K E D O N. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's your chance to get into the game. Bet Online, they are your online sportsbook experts. Business first, joining us right out of the gates today is the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, sitting down with us. Good to see you, sir. Good to be seen. Good to have people here. You want a good trivia question, answer? Who was the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks the first time they won the NBA championship? Oh, gosh. I don't know. A guy named Larry Costello, who I had the privilege to meet when I worked at Utica College in 1987. Wow. Fascinating NBA stories of the 60s and 70s. Coach Kareem and Oscar Roberts into that championship. and. Uh, just got. I had two years to get to know him. So there you go. There's a, a tease that you can talk about <laughs> later with the Bucks. So, uh, well, there, I know Bobby Porter's from Arkansas. He was yeah. on the Bucks. Any other SEC guys? Um, who's a guy from A and M? Who's oh Chris Middleton? Yeah, of course. Chris, yeah. yeah, I was watching him run up and down. And he's a little weird though because he played at A and M before they joined the SEC, kind of. So it's, we're all in the family. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> coming up, coming up on uh, the tenth season. Yep. Uh, of a and Missouri being part of the SEC. Is that so crazy that it's – yeah, I mean, it yeah, doesn't yeah. feel like it's been that long. Yeah, the last year feels like 10 years. I will say that. <laughs> but, no, overall, you're right. Uh, Alabama's here today. We know Nick Saban is a rock star, but, my goodness. I mean, even without all the fans here in, in the Winfrey Hotel this year, it's still, the attention he garners – I, the president could literally walk in through this door, and he wouldn't get the attention and focus <laughs> that Nick Saban gets on this end. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, he's um, – been here 19 times. Spurrier was here 23 times. So Spurrier had that rock star, yeah. you know, persona too through his his tenure. And we have some guys that garner a little bit of attention. We got Mike Leach still to come this week. Jimbo will be here, um, and uh, it's a special place. But he's, you know, his achievement: seven national championships in the pole era. No one's achieved that, and uh, he, he kind of finds a way to keep it moving forward. Are you intimidated at all by him? No, we've had a good relationship. <laughs> I, probably, I was thinking, you know, when I first walked in uh, to my first coaches meeting in spring of 03, we had a moment, he and I. I was a new associate commissioner. Uh, but I've always appreciated the opportunity to be in conversation with him. Hopefully he's learned some things from me, and, and I've learned some things from him. And, you know, it's, it's the same with everyone. You know, I remember being in, in College Station, for example, pre-COVID at our indoor track meet on a Friday night. Jimbo was there for like three or four hours. You just stood around and talked about – uh, his interest in track and field and recruiting and cattle uh, buying. And, you know, the, the, the privilege that I have is I have the opportunity to get to know people yeah. uh, who many people just see on the sideline or on the TV screen. We're joined by uh, Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC. I really need to commend you uh, at the SEC and the Big 12. I mean, both of you guys kind of stood firm last summer and said, we believe we can play a college football season. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to invest what we need to into the safety I think you and your team really deserve a lot of credit for saying, how can we do this instead of throwing your hands up and going, it can't be done? Well, that's an accurate description. Um, on, on August 10th, I wasn't sure where people were going to go. That was a Monday, and we knew the Pac-12 and Big Ten were poised to announce not playing on Tuesday. Uh, the Mid-American Conference the previous Saturday had done so, the Mountain West Conference later that day, and we issued a tweet that basically said, you know, can we play? I, I don't know, but we're not going to stop trying, and we're going to work at it 
every day guided by our medical advisory task force and our campus leadership. And of anything I did was continue to buy time to make decisions <laughs> and make good decisions and, and ultimately provide an opportunity and, and really a pretty remarkable year when we had, uh, of our 21 sports, eight national champions. You can add Kentucky Rifle as our ninth attached to one of our universities. Eight different SEC universities, more than half, earned national championships. And a lot of individual accolades, a lot of connection with our fans. You saw, you know, during baseball season when stadiums opened back up, just the influx of people who wanted to be part of something, you know, normal. Right. And, uh I think that's uh, that's what happens when you try and do hard things. Well, I had friends at LSU and A&M who were texting me pictures from behind the scenes of the misting machines, the the, the teams spraying everything down. Why? I mean, going above and beyond to do what it what needed to be done, and it bugged me when I saw some of these people, you know, from up north saying, "Oh, you know, the South, they're gonna just play football and all this," and it was just it was so inaccurate. Of we're taking every step to make sure that we're doing it the safe way. And I feel like at times people just were like, well, it's the SEC. They're going to play football no matter what. Last year, on this week last year, that was certainly not my perspective. And right. you, you asked correctly, you know, can we do this? And if so, how do we do it in the most healthy way possible? Because our young, young people on our teams were asking us to, to play. Right. You know, I, I've talked about Elante Taylor, just to, to be specific, uh, player at Tennessee asked hey or said I'll be swabbed every day if I can play on Saturday and that became <laughs> a bit of a recognition that this wasn't about money or TV or tickets this was about the connection um, that our, our players felt to the opportunity to the game to their campuses particularly after having everything removed and if you go back to baseball and softball this year uh, track and field tennis golf they had everything stopped and we were working and trying to be creative through the fall into January to play full seasons. Even if we had to shift later, ultimately we could leave things alone and, and achieve full seasons. But it was about um, the young people who wanted the opportunity in life to participate in college athletics because once that opportunity passes, it's not like it comes back and it's right. always the same. You know, time, time, time passes, and we, we have to be prepared with what's in front of us. We, we've talked in years past about – Student-athletes being able to be paid. The NIL, of course, has passed student-athletes signing endorsement deals. Where do you stand now on the NIL topic? The reality is our, our university athletic programs are going to be following their state laws or a state executive order. And when people ask about clarity, that's the clarity. So, yeah, is there uncertainty? Sure. But there are points of clarity. What does your state law uh, permit or prohibit? And what structure does it contemplate to be in place? Now, not all of those state laws are terribly effective. And then outside of our footprint, there are a number of states without state laws in place. And so you pivot to institutional policy, which calls for uh, congressional action. There is a need for a national standard. And and I'll start with, you know, in Houston, there are any number of high school seniors looking to play college athletics who are going to be recruited in the state of Texas probably in Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, depending on how good they are. There may be people up in the Big Ten country or out Pac-12. Imagine trying to figure out, as a high school senior, where you're going to go to college, what you want to study, where you're going to play sports, and 17, 15, however many states you're looking at, different NIL laws. Yeah. This situation isn't fair to them and their family. Right. And, and so the ability to know that if I went to college in Wyoming or Wisconsin or Texas, I'd be governed by the same set of standards 
that's appropriate, right? And that should drive our thinking. And I know Congress has a lot on its plate. I know there's a lot of politics involved, but the results of a Supreme Court decision, the results of states acting with their own laws, means congressional action is the is the pathway to a national standard, which I still believe is the the most productive way to operationalize name, image, and likeness opportunities. You personally, though, do you have an opinion one way or another? I mean, obviously there are problems that can occur with, and like you said, you need a a standard, but I mean, there are pitfalls that could happen with this. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I think you've seen a, a rush into the business of a bunch of entities who are, quote-unquote, representing student-athletes <laughs> in the NIL space. And certainly there are those who are credible, well-financed, and will handle themselves properly. But I've already heard stories of people who, who don't have backing, who yeah. have a business card, who say, hey, give me a call. Well, a, a young person could sign something with an entity that has no oversight. Right. So there are a lot of complaints that the colleges are exploitive in their approach to student-athletes. Well, if somebody signs a document and gives up control of their name, image, and likeness fully, we never controlled their name, image, and likeness. It's just the limitations that existed. Uh, But when you left, hey, have at it. (laughs) And it was a decision. Well, now, you you, you go back to NASCAR history. There are stories of people who had signed an opportunity to be in a particular ride, and they signed away certain rights right. that didn't that weren't conveyed to them, you know, after five or ten years. I'm highly concerned about people becoming entangled in agreements that they don't understand. I've already heard outside the league businesses approaching student athletes and saying, "Hey, if you'll pay me five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars, we'll set up your website and build your brand, and then we'll generate income." Uh. Well, that's an unknown. <laughs> And there are some success stories we expected, yeah, you know, social sure. media activation. There are probably some anomalies we didn't expect that we'll see. Uh, but, again, I'll go back to if we want an effective path forward, a national standard is necessary, and the reality of the environment is congressional action is central to that taking place. More with Greg Sankey right after this. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. When you go in there and tell them you're making model, guess what they're doing? They're going to their computer, typing it in on their computer and trying to find the parts that you need. And most of the time, they got to go order it themselves. Why waste your time with them? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers, for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They got everything you need. Tail lamps, motor oil, brake brake parts, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Roll along here, locked on SEC. Talking with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Sports betting continues to be legalized across states. Let's see if Texas jumps on board here, but Louisiana, Tennessee, some others. Do you foresee the SEC maybe embracing it from a sponsorship standpoint? You've got all these big companies, FanDuel, DraftKings, all that kind of stuff. Is there, is there a, obviously you don't want to endorse 
betting when you got kids involved and all that kind of thing, but from a standpoint of sponsorships from some of these big companies once it's legalized in a lot of the SEC states. One of the important learning points is I think we saw a play out with a basketball player at Baylor after a missed free throw that the toxic nature of social media directed towards him around sports gambling activities of others, not not yeah. his, but people who placed a bet and you miss a shot, miss a free throw, and it's on you. And I've heard that from professional golfers who receive that kind of incoming toxicity from uh, European gambling uh, activity that's right. existed for years before it was legal here. Uh, there, are, there are real world issues for 18 to 21-year-olds being expected to withstand that kind of criticism, anger, frustration. Sure. And, and we need to stop ourselves for a moment. This rush to create state-based revenue um, should cause us to think about structures um, and oversight and, and regulation and whether actually just opening this up is the right thing to do for the participants. And by participants, I mean the young people on our rosters. Uh, I, I wouldn't use the word embrace. We're certainly attentive. Um, I do think there's a discomfort given what I've just described. We right. are universities um, who have young people on athletic scholarships playing college sports. And, uh, you know, the, the notion that somebody's life would be affected in, uh, in a measurable way by whether or not uh, somebody's field goal from 12 yards is good or not, or they <laughs> catch or no catch, uh, you know, th- those are, are real issues. On the other hand, if it continues to uh, grow, the ability for transparency, uh, for oversight, um, we should view as an opportunity. Yeah, there's a lot of nuts out there. I'll just say that. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on college football uh, playoff expansion. A lot of folks are yelling, this is going to benefit the SEC a little bit more. And all I say is, well, sorry, they have some of the best football teams every year. So what if the SEC gets three or four teams in? Who cares? Well, it could stay at four from my perspective. <laughs> I mean, we, we could we could remain with the current approach. It's worked effectively for us, and it, could, it, it can continue to work effectively for the SEC. Um, I, I think we could probably put any model out there and it would benefit the SEC. We had access before, and we'll have more access. What? Uh, and I was on the working group. What we try to do is put our conference labels aside and think about the game. And we've had a significant portion of the country geographically with irregular access, the West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, to the college football playoff championship. We're trying to support a national game. College football needs to be a national game. And, and so one of the elements is we're going to have to provide more access. Now, then there's the question about automatic access for conference champions. Right now it's four best teams. And, and I'm not one who thinks granting kind of AQ, if you will, at six and eight yeah. uh, team playoff where you reduce uh, the assurance that the best teams are actually in. That's not something I, I ever envisioned. Supporting. Because some years a conference is going to have two yeah, of the but, best teams. And a, another year, you know, a conference champion – may have three or four losses right. and may not deserve to be in. So, exactly. Yeah. And so 12 provided a balance where you could actually expand the assurance that the best teams nationally would have access uh, while also recognizing uh, the role of conference champions in the process, particularly those highly ranked that would right. have a bye in the first round and uh, provide the opportunity for bowl games to still operate. You know, the Texas Bowl has become an important part of our, our postseason in Houston and and Music City and and Outback. Those are are still opportunities where if you're not in the 12 that we could fill. And I don't know the psychology around what would happen. Oh, we're not in the playoff now has an impact on teams. And we've seen that in bowl games. 
So in the future, if you have a, a, a broader playoff, what does that mean for some of the other bowl games and their interest in continuing to support quality opportunities and people's interest to play? Well, that's part of the review process. And we put a model out there. Um, we, we kept it tight, and then we're going to have to work through a lot of issues. And one of the questions is, well, why didn't work through the issues and then announce the format? Well, right. we were going to leak. <laughs> so one way or another, the format was going to be out there. We yeah. just decided, let's put out an idea. No, absolutely. People can react, and we'll be transparent, and then we've got some work to do. But it's not, uh, to me, imminent for change. You know, you're a couple seasons away at the earliest right. uh, from any expansion. I, I, I've encouraged people to reduce their expectations because there's a lot there's a lot that has to happen. There are a set of contracts signed twelve for you know back in 2012, 2013, starting the 2014 season. That are 12 years in length. Yeah, that that that's there. That's not something that we, we have a meeting and they just evaporate. That's <laughs> part of the work to see could it be done earlier, and but that doesn't predict it will be done earlier than the, the next five seasons. Talking with uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, um, got time for one more question. Uh, there was I had two questions left. One was going to be, do you ever get tired of winning championships in every sport? We'll skip that one. Uh, biggest no. <laughs> biggest challenge for you and your team at the SEC offices right now understanding the the covid environment the desire to return towards normal and determining what policies need to be in place when we do get back to the competition um I, I think a couple months ago we were prepared for a normal experience which you go back to the 1819 season to have a full normal academic year of athletic competition uh but the trends around the virus are are not encouraging uh, we have time for people to get healthy. I've been very clear about the importance of accessing the vaccine. In fact, as I was sitting here, I saw an article from a doctor who basically said, I have young patients hospitalized with COVID asking for the vaccine. She said it's too late. And, and they have some dire health consequences in this article. This is not a doctor who's out there trying to you know, be on CNN or, right. or Fox News just say, stating the facts. And she indicated there was one patient who's been vaccinated, needs a little oxygen, and will go home. But others have very serious situations and they're young and uh you know those are realities i think we're we're, we have this great desire we've had this experience of normal but we we all have to pay attention to health realities and so i would put that at the top of our agenda right now just one more real quick on that it's we become so divisive across the country politics and all that how do you steer clear of all that discussion and try to just do what's right and what's understood to be right, as opposed to getting involved in all this other sure, stuff. Sure, that's 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 a, a, a really important question because last year, as we walked through to play or not play, you know, I had outreach from politicians, and I just asked for them not to put me in the middle of the political arena. Right. I said, "Here's how we're proceeding. Uh, I'll let you know if we need support. I, I appreciate your encouragement, but understand, um, I, I want to stay out of that. Uh, we had obviously a difficult election." And uh, I, I respect that both sides of the aisle uh, mm-hmm. communicated, uh, were interested and, and, and supportive, but not putting us in the middle. And we had some colleague conferences that very much ended up in the political realm around the return to football. And, and I feel the same way now. Um, I don't want to be in politics. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I talk about the congressional action, but that's a reality of what's needed around name, image, and likeness. On this one, I want people to be healthy. Yeah. You know, the, the, I have... Um, uh, a friend from back in my uh, early 20s who, who died two weeks ago from COVID. He's my age. Um, and his wife, who I've known her and her family since I was a teenager, she's a widow. 
Uh, that's reality for yeah. COVID. That's it's not going away. Uh, sure, some people get through it quickly. Uh, others do not. And the vaccine is effective at present, preventing serious illness. It's very effective at preventing spread. It's not perfect. Right. Uh, I, I wouldn't suggest it's perfect, but we're trying to avoid illness and certainly serious illness and hospitalization. Commissioner Greg Sankey, always good to catch up with you, sir. Good to see you after missing you last year. And uh, so great to be back and great to have football back. Absolutely. Look forward to the season ahead. Thank you. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. A quick reminder to tune in throughout the week. Uh, Coming up on Thursday's show, we're going to talk with Tennessee defensive back Theo Jackson. Really uh, looking forward to catching up with him and talking about the upcoming season. Going to play a big part for the Tennessee Vols secondary this year as he is a senior want to remind you also to listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former GM Ryan McDonough. It is the perfect way to get ready for the NBA Draft. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Just search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's going to do it for me, Chris Gordy. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.